It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to episode 60 of the MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content, especially daily baseball content on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I am LJ LaFura with Belly Up Sports, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. Brandon, how are you doing today, buddy? LJ, doing great. Uh, Had another fantastic day here at Syracuse University. I'll be gone in about three and a half weeks, so just trying to soak it all in. I had some nice weather today, but uh, also had some very nice uh, games in the MLB that we want to talk about. So uh, shall we get right into it? Yeah, let's get going. All right. Uh, The first game we want to talk about uh, is the Nationals and the Blue Jays. The Nationals got three home runs early, uh, two from Trey Turner and one from Yadiel Hernandez to take a 3-0 lead after two and a half. In the third inning, Vladdy Jr. hit his first of three home runs on the night. This one, a grand slam off of Max Scherzer. Toronto would run away with a 9-5 win. Big thanks to Vladdy Jr. Those other two home runs come in the fifth and seventh innings. The win to Tommy Malone, who's now 1-0 on the year. He came in after Toronto starter Tyler Thornton got pulled early in the third inning. The loss to Max Scherzer, 1-2 on the year now. Uh, He had a pretty rough outing. Five innings, eight hits, five earned. Uh, Four of those earned coming from that Vladdy Grand Slam. Eric Fetty takes on a very hot uh, Steven Matz today. Uh, LJ, uh, 
your thoughts on uh, Vladdy Jr. going deep three times. Uh, we're going to talk about him later. Uh, spoiler, he's on my PPP list. But uh, just quick, uh, a grand slam off of Max Scherzer? If Vladdy can keep this up, he not only will he be a perennial silver slugger candidate, not only will he be in the MVP conversation in spurts of his career through his entire career, but it brings the full validity to what Toronto's trying to do here. They suffered through some pretty tough years there where they were focused on, okay, we're going to build a team for this group of young guys that we've got coming up that we think can really be really special. You got uh, Vladdy, you got Bo Bichette, you got Kevin Biggio. Vladdy, not only was he the first up, but he was always the centerpiece of that. It wasn't a, we're waiting for somebody else, but he's the first guy to come in. It wasn't a Xander Bogarts comes up because he's the first one ready. And then Mookie Betts comes up the next year. Like this is your core, but the second, another guy is going to be coming in to really rise to the occasion. Vladdy has been the centerpiece of this the entire time. So seeing him turn into a all-star caliber player early in his so early in his career just brings validity to everything they're trying to do in Toronto right now. Yeah, uh, Vladdy was the first one brought up uh, in 2019 when he was 21. Uh, for reference, or excuse me, Vladdy was brought up in 2019 when he was 20. Uh, Bo Bichette was brought up in 2019 when he was 21. So you're absolutely right. Uh, Vladdy was he 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 was brought up first for a reason. And uh, yeah, the fact that he this is only his age 22 year. Uh, is awesome. We have so many good young hitters now that uh, should be fun to watch him rake uh, for years to come, but I'm going to talk about him more on the PPP. So, yeah. All right. Red Sox Mets, Jeff McNeil got scoring started with a solo shot for the Mets, achieving a score of one to nothing. But Brandon soon after Throbert D Bobby Dahlbeck schlonged his first home run of the season, the regular season, over the fence for a solo piece. Rafi Devers added another RBI to get the Red Sox a 2-1 to one win. Gave that win to Garrett Richards, who is now 1-2 on the year. He went seven innings, allowing one earned run and 10 strikeouts. The loss will be given to David Peterson. He's now 1-3 on the year. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs, and that save will be given to Matt Barnes. Nick Pavetta will take on the MVP front runner Jacob DeGrom tonight. It's a real bold. It's not bold, but it's, it's not bold. It's not bold, but it's interesting that you said he's the front runner over uh, Ronald Acuna. I mean, if on this current pace, I give it to him. Yeah, but like usually if a pitcher wins MVP, they have to do something extraordinarily special. And not that Jacob DeGrom isn't doing that this year, but 0.32 ERA with a no, five, no, I know. I'm not five saying batting average not. isn't special. No, it's special. I know, but we gotta see him keep it up for yes. You know. But if you're if if you're front runner, if you are voting on it right now, you're giving it to DeGrom, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think what Acuna is doing is amazing. Clearly has cemented himself as the second best baseball player in the world right now. And I think he deserves that respect or position player. However, what Jacob deGrom has shown me in these past couple starts is just such utter dominance that 
He is my pick right now. He's my MVP for the month of April, certainly. So, I mean, that's, that's got, that, that should hold weight in MVP conversation. Oh, absolutely. All right. On to the Twins and the Indians. Um, it, oh, was there something? Yeah, actually, I did want to talk about something. Garrett Richards' start, just the overall vibes around it. Brandon, seven innings, one earned run, 10 strikeouts is a very good line. Very good. Yeah, I was surprised uh, by that start tonight by him because I, w- I was trashing him on the show yesterday or a couple of days ago about how Bloom went out and signed him other than another pitcher, but I was impressed. Well, to be fair, the, the, the pitcher everybody points to is Jake Odorizzi, and that hasn't worked out too well for many people. For well, no, to be well, fair, you guys well, actually thought you had a chance to get Trevor Bauer for a minute. So Everyone thought they had a chance to get Trevor Bauer for a minute. Um, As a Yankees fan, no, no. I knew that the Yankees were not going over the, the tax no matter what happened. No, the Red Sox were legitimately interested in everybody this year, so there was a right to have any hope there. But no, I, I just think he is such an interesting case of what this market does to people. New York, of course, is similar, but he's had two atrocious starts this year with a couple others that were fine in this one. So it, do, this may have been a great start that a lot of people would be talking very positively about if it weren't for the fact that I think he's already lost the city. This may be a completely way too hot a take, but you know what? We're in entertainment. You got to love the 2.20 in the morning hot takes. I just don't see the relationship getting better because he hasn't shown anything to have that happen. He started off with absolute weak performances to be his first step into the team, both in spring training and the regular season. He made what what could or could not be considered excuses after that last atrocity that happened against, was it Seattle? It was last week. Um, it was either Seattle or the team before. Um, the, was it the, Blue the Twins? It was the Blue Jays. Oh, Blue Jays, that's right. You played Toronto, yep. Um, no, a lot of excuses. And then the one thing which I will be talking about in an article later this week, speaking of which, check out my lover's guide to the Boston Red Sox out now. Um there is a pretty decent test of how you're going to fare in this market. I believe if you cannot tolerate Jared Carabas, you are screwed. Wait, did, did, did Garrett Richards say something about uh, Jared Carabas? He already blocked him. No way. Like, he also blocked Cochillo. So, like, he's obviously incapable of criticism because – for all intents and purposes, Chris Cotillo is pretty harmless. Yeah, isn't he like your main uh, authority like on straight beat? news? Yeah. No, like he's like the main beat for the Red Sox, right? Like pretty much. Um, he is probably the straight news best guy they've got. So that's a guy who's in the clubhouse most days. Yeah, well, with COVID, it's very weird. But like but- it, in a normal season, he's in the clubhouse most days, correct? Chris Cotillo and he's can't take criticism from a journalist are you kidding me well I I I mean I I'm like 90% sure that was what I heard again so don't come at me oh no no absolutely on this he could he could have either done it quickly and undone it but 
Um, anyway, just moving away from Chris Cotillo because that's not the real story. Yeah, here. no. Jared Carabas is a fan first and an entertainer second. Journalist is nowhere within his title. However, he still has a huge following. The track record of people who have not been able to get along with him is kind of scary. For start, let's go to the first one. Joe Kelly struggled mightily when he first was with the Red Sox. He blocked Carabas for a long time. They eventually ended up having a really good relationship later on down the line as Joe Kelly began to be able to take criticism and ended up being a very good pitcher for the Boston Red Sox while he was there. Another example, Pablo Sandoval also blocked him. David Price had more than his share of beef, beef with the guy. I mean, these are all guys that got absolutely murdered by the city with the pressure and not being able to perform with it. And it's just kind of, it's a bad sign to see him acting like this so early into his first season. Yeah, I mean, a Jared Carabas, look, certainly, you know, he's he's a barstool guy. So actual journalism is not very prominent there, but they're still a very successful company because they provide very entertaining content. And I'll have to say Jared Carabas is a very good follower on Twitter. Even as a Yankees fan, I'm saying that because this, this is a guy who watches as much baseball as, as anyone he there's there's videos of him talking about like just the grind of the baseball season and his work schedule. I mean, I, I I certainly don't hate the guy. Sometimes I think he has bad takes, but as an overall like content creator and what Jared Krabis does, I think he's great for the game of baseball. Yeah, he is, you know, likelihood the most recognizable entertainment person outside of like cable television in baseball. I think that's a pretty fair fair statement to say. With the set, with the exceptions, with, with the success of Section Ten as well as Starting Nine and all of his Twitter work, which he's now of course expanded to include quite a bit of college baseball as well. Everybody knows the name. If you can't get along with this guy, whose job is to be just an entertaining voice you're not going to be able to get along with a city that's going to hold you accountable every step of the way. Yeah. That's all I had to say on it. I just find it absolutely interesting that like in a seven, in a seven inning, one earned quality start, I did not feel it felt like it was five innings, five earned runs to me. That one home run just, I don't know why it just, and it felt like that with everyone else that was in the room while I was watching as well where just having him on the mound was an instant turnoff. That's how I feel about Nick Nelson, but I talked about that uh, a couple podcasts ago. Uh, On to the Twins and the Indians. It was tied 2-2 two to two after the second inning. Uh, the Twins got their runs from a Nelson Cruz triple, uh, only the 13th of his long career. And then the Indians got their runs, uh, two home runs by Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes. After exchanging runs once again, it was tied three to three going into the sixth inning where Fran Mil Reyes would go deep again. And then Jake Bowers would double to make it five to three. The twins were not done though, as Byron Buxton goes yard for his seventh home run of the year. 
that brought the score within one. But late runs in the eighth coming from Cleveland are enough to close out the game, and they win seven to four. The win to Aaron Savali, who LJ is four and zero on the year. Uh, he goes seven and two thirds, allowing eight hits, four earned runs, four K. Certainly not the best stat line, but hey, got the job done. The loss to Kenta Maeda, whose struggles continue. One and two on the year now, five and two thirds, eight hits, five runs, and three strikeouts. The save to James Karinchak, a part of my fantasy baseball team. His second save on the year. He's now gone nine and two thirds innings, striking out 20 batters in uh, allowing no earned runs. Uh, LJ, that's over two strikeouts per inning pitched. Uh, very good. Jay Happ versus Logan Allen today. The Twins enter uh, on a four-game losing streak. I find it absolutely hilarious that with the Twins falling apart in these past couple of weeks, everyone just forgot about the fact that Byron Buxton's wheels were still spinning. He was like the only – he was the only wheel in a semi-truck that was actually working, and he's just trying to pull this entire track. Cruise, two. Trailer. Cruise, Cruise, two. Yes. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so you have two wheels. Yeah, two wheels. Front, you have the two front wheels carrying a multi-ton 18-wheeler down the highway. It's not going to go too well. But, of course, without us, Nelson Cruz's story would be buried as well. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Next up, we have the Royals and the Pirates. Tied at one apiece, Wilmer Defoe pinch hits in the seventh and drives in the game-winning run. The Pirates win 2-1. to one. Give the win to Dwayne Underwood. The loss to Jake Junis, who's now 1-1. One one. He went 6 in a third of an inning, allowing two earned runs and nine strikeouts. The save will be given to Richard Rodriguez, his fourth save of the year. Mike Miner will take on Mitch Keller today in Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, moving on to the Yankees and the Orioles. The Yankees offense finally stepped up tonight. Uh, home runs coming from Aaron Judge, Kyle Higashioka, the home run stroker, and Giancarlo Stanton. The Yankees would win 5-1 to one over the Orioles against Bruce Zimmerman, who, to quote uh, one of the guys from the Talking Yanks podcast, Bruce Zimmerman. An electrifying left-handed pitcher without the electrifying part. <laughs> the Yankees had five players with multiple hits, something that just one player has struggled to do in a game for the Yankees this year. Uh, I think the last player to do it was Giancarlo Stanton like four games ago. But, hey, we'll take five players in, in a double dig or with two hits tonight. Uh, and the Yankees do eclipse a double-digit hits, which is something I don't think we've done the whole year, something close. Also, the Yankees had a sack fly in the first inning, and it was their first sack fly of the entire season. How is that possible, LJ? How? How can you have not had a sack fly through now 20? So this was game 23 in our season. And we had still not hit a sack block. Well, Brandon, I can tell you, on one hand, it makes no sense that you didn't have a sack fly seeing your entire team's purpose in life is to hit the ball up in the air. The, the reason you didn't have a sack fly is because the entire team's purpose is to hit the ball up in the air. You had no one on third base to bring home. 
Well, it's either that or when we do have a a base runner, the bats somehow get worse than they already have been. So it's just like, uh, I don't know. Someone replaces them with foam bats and (laughs) never works out well. Gym class bats. Gym class bats. I think you know which one I'm talking about. I I know which one we're talking about. We're not going to talk about that. No, no, we're not, but... the win to Corey Kluber, who's now one and two on the year. A really nice start from him tonight, even though it was against Baltimore. Everything <laughs> on this game, from this series, I'm taking with a grain of salt because it is the Orioles. But <laughs> six and two-thirds, six hits, one run, and five Ks for Kluber. Bruce Zimmerman. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. The lefty takes the loss. He's now one and three on the year. Three and two-thirds innings pitch, nine hits, four runs. Something interesting about Bruce Zimmerman. Heading into this game, only half of his pitches had been thrown in the strike zone this year. Uh, so not ideal for an MLB pitcher to only have half the pitches uh, end up in the strike zone. But it That's will be okay. Domingo Herman versus to be announced. For the Orioles today. I heard he's a pretty good pitcher. So uh, he is. Bumpty's gonna have a hard time with that guy. Bumpty Herman. Now I have to ask you, Brandon, your opinion on this. And again, I'm spitting absolutely baseless takes right now, saying I haven't looked at the other guy's stats, but do you believe it's time for Gary Sanchez apologists to end? I've been such a supporter of Gary. Like Last year, it got bad where I was just, like, trashing him pretty much every game, every at-bat. This year, starts off the year so strong. Home run off of Hyunjin Ryu on opening day. Hits a homer the next day. And then nothing. (laughs) And then just nothing. It's Something needs to change about his approach to the plate. Because you look at his stat cast numbers, and you're like, oh, he hits the ball hard. Well, guess what? He hits it into the shift every single time. They know he's going to pull the ball either 500 feet down the line or he's going to hit it into the shift and, and, and just pull a hard ground ball. The stat cast numbers, while they are interesting and in, in like have, hitting the ball hard certainly means a lot, when you're hitting it to the same spot every time, it's like I just don't know why his approach has always been I want to pull everything 500 feet and I'm going to wait for a fastball down the middle to do it. It's like any other pitch he sees, he just can't hit or doesn't have enough, I I don't know, wherewithal to be able to hit 
an off-speed pitch. It's just, I don't know. Look, sure. if, if Kyle Higashioka keeps the bat hot, there's no reason why he shouldn't be uh, starting, especially because now we know Garrett Cole will, wants to pitch to him more than than uh, than Gary. So you didn't know that before. He made that very clear last year, season. No, oh no. So you mean when Aaron Boone came out in spring training and said Higashioka is not the personal catcher for for Garrett Cole, and then for every start except for opening day, it's been Higashioka starting, and it's just like. Why do we have to lie? Like, you can just say it. It's not like, why are you protecting Gary so much after Brian Cashman trashed him in an interview this offseason? He trashed him. Exactly. It makes no sense to me. Brandon, you're not going to like the first thing I'm going to say here, which is the fact that Gary Sanchez's problem is almost entirely intangible. Because... I agree. I mean, (laughs) you're not He has... A lot of potential in two two areas. He can hit the ball really hard, and he's got a gun. However, none of the rest of his game has developed much, which proves to me there's either a lack of willingness to change or a lack of try attempt to change and develop, a lack of effort, which, no, I, again, is something we've seen in games from him over the years. So but I understand, like, Especially that, yeah, you're, again, another spot where you're defending Gary, you're trying to make him window dress it to make him look like the full-time starter, which is exactly what the yes and radio broadcast do every single chance they get is glorify Gary for like these minute things that he does, ignore the problems, blow off the problems that they see there, which is a not objective, but um or not nearly, they shouldn't be completely objective, but not as objective as they should be. But it's just, it's such a blatant amount of excuse making to make this guy look good. When when you have a guy who, I think I can make an argument right now that Kyle Higashioka is a better big leaguer right now because... Oh, there are absolutely. Not, it's not even close. Yeah, I would say even even last year though, because of course he hasn't had that many uh, attempts, so he can't really look at the o- offense long term. But last year, especially, you're seeing a guy who calls a great game, frames pitches well. That's first off. That should be your fr- primary focus: is not making mistakes behind the plate. I think throwing out runners in an offense at the catcher position should be the last two things you think about compared to the game they're calling, their pitch framing, and most importantly, not getting beat on balls in the dirt. You can't get beaten balls in the dirt. And so he checks off all of the most important boxes to me, especially compared to Gary, who does not check off enough of them. I'll say one last thing and then we can move on. Uh, Kyle Higashioka this year is in the 98th percentile for pitch framing, according to a baseball savant. Pretty much that, that makes him like a top five catcher at the at the worst uh, in pitch framing. Uh, Gary Sanchez is in the 21st percentile. If he can't frame, and we know that, to be fair, all of these advanced stats, though, on, on, a, on a defense in the past, have really liked him like his 
his a defensive run saved is better than most catchers in years past. But it's clear if you actually watch the games that it's, it's, not, the it's, it's not the same. Because, I don't know, look, I really want him to turn it around. I don't even think that it's like he doesn't want to try. It's just he just can't get better. Like, it's just we've seen his if peak. He, if he's going to get better, he's not going to get better. It would have already happened. It would have already happened. He's, or he's, he's, or he's, he's not going to get better in New York. He might need the kick in the ass of not being on that team anymore, being allowed to walk to get him to actually be better when he, especially when he sees that the money he thinks he's worth is not, or thought he was worth a couple of years ago, isn't there. All right, Braves and Cubs. The scoreless tie ended in the fifth when Ronald Acuna said, with great power comes great responsibility. And that responsibility for Ronald Acuna is to hit the ball 481 feet to left center, the second longest home run of the year. Albies added another run in the fifth, and then the teams added three more runs in a messy eighth inning by Brandon Workman. The Braves win it 5 nothing. Give that win to podcast favorite, Ian Anderson, who's now 2-0, and seven innings of shutout ball with eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Trevor Williams, who's now 2-2. Two and two. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts. Next, Kyle Hendricks will take on Oscar Yanoa. All right, let's move on to the Oakland A's and the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I need to pull up this game because I forgot to put this one in here to do a recap for us. This is going to be completely off the top, but let's see how we can do here. Uh, The teams exchanged runs in the first two innings. It was a fielding error and then a ground out, so nothing really exciting. It would be 1-1 after the second. In the top of the sixth, once a gold glover, always a gold gold glover. Mitch Moreland, Mitchy two bags, whatever you want to call them. Sacrifice fly, that makes it two to one Oakland. Bottom of the sixth, World Series hero Brett Phillips hits his first homer of the year. Uh, that would tie or that would give Tampa Bay the lead three to two as that's a two-run home run. A, a Joey Wendell single, uh, another podcast favorite. Also on LJ's fantasy team. He doesn't wear any batting gloves. He doesn't need to. Single on a line drive to left field. That would score another run. Four to two Tampa Bay. A Sean Murphy home run in the ninth would not be enough. Tampa Bay walks away with a four to three win. Uh, You can give the win tonight to Jeffrey Springs out of the Tampa Bay bullpen. I swear to God, they just manufacture these guys out of nowhere. No, he's from Boston. Oh. It's a complete fluke that he got that. Yeah, he gets the win, even though he probably had the worst line out of everyone who (laughs) for the the race tonight. Uh, The the loss goes to Frankie Montas, who's now two and two. Uh, six innings, six hits, three earned. Give the save to Diego Castillo, his fifth on the year. Uh, you know what? He might have had the worst line. He allows a home run, but only one hit. Springs goes one inning, uh, which was the sixth inning. He allows one hit, uh, one run, and a strikeout. But, you know, uh, Castillo struck out too. So I'm going to give the worst line of the night 
there to to Jeffrey Springs, uh, but somehow gets the win because of the way the win rule works. But today's matchup between these two will feature Cole Irvin for Oakland, and he will take on Tampa Bay ace Tyler Glass now. All right, we've got some more big performances for Poppy's big Dominican lunch. Oh, wait, uh, when's the it, fantasy recap? Did, did we uh, miss that? Yeah, we missed it. We can do it tomorrow. We can't do it tomorrow, can yeah, we? Yeah, sure, it's Wednesday. Yeah, we can, on, well, we can do it on a Wednesday. Do we have anything else? For um, you're meeting a Thursday, and Thursday's... No, it is a Wednesday. That you mean, Wednesday. yeah, Thursday, guess, because... Friday is Thursday's games, which yeah. means uh, week recap. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can do that tomorrow. Trailing two to one, Jesus Aguilar hit a solo homer to tie the game, his fourth on the season and fourth in five days. And the Marlins tied the game again at three, but eventually fell to the Brew Crew five to four. Give that win to Adrian Hauser, who's now two and two on the year. He went five and two thirds of an inning allowing three earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to John Curtis and the save to Josh Hader, his fifth. Next up for the Marlins is Sandy Alcantara facing the Brewers. Angels and Rangers. The Rangers would get on the board when Nick Solak would hit a home run in the bottom of the first. They take a 1-0 lead. The Angels would get a run to tie it up from an Albert Pujols single but this was the only run they could uh, uh, get across the whole night. Joey Gallo goes yard in the third, and then Nick Solak would hit another home run, his seventh of the year, to top it off. And the Texas Rangers win 6-1. to one. The win to Mike Fultonavich, who's now 1-3 on the year, 5 in the third, 8 hits, 1 run in 4 Ks. The loss to Jose Quintana who's now 0-2 on the year. He goes three and a third, allowing six hits, five runs, and two Ks. It will be, uh, I guess, ace Alex Cobb taking on Dane Dunning today. Uh, just another start here, just another game where the Angels pitching is just, like, how many games? I mean, I guess scoring scoring one run's unacceptable, but have they ever got a good start, like, out of someone? I feel like they might, it's just, Shohei Otani. Yeah, Shohei Otani uh, yesterday, but he still allowed a three-run home run in the first inning. Like, <laughs> we might let's be real. We might as well just call him the ace of the rotation. He has looked the best out of anyone on that team so far this year, except for Agreed, the yeah. occasional fluke start by Griffin Canning. Um, you're not going to get much more out of this team. All right, Phillies and the Cardinals. The Phils found themselves in a 3-1 hole in the middle innings, a deficit they could not overcome, thanks in part to a solid all-around pitching performance by Carlos Martinez. The Cardinals win 5-2. Give the win to Carlos Martinez, who's now 1-4 on the year. He went 7 and in third of an inning, allowing one earned run. Brandon, this was his first win as a starter since 2018. Give the loss to Zach Eflin, who went six and two-thirds in an inning, allowing five earned runs and eight strikeouts. Give the sixth save of the year for Alex Reyes. Today, Vince Velazquez will face Johan Oviedo. All right. Uh, moving on, we have the Mariners and the Astros. 
The only two runs of this game uh, came in the fourth when Jordan Alvarez hit a sack fly and then Kyle Tucker singled. That gave the Astros a 2-0 lead and they go on to win by that score. Uh, give the win to Christian Javier, who's now 3-0 on the year. Seven innings, two hits, no runs, and six Ks for him. The loss goes to Marco Gonzalez, who's now 1-3. Six innings, five hits, two runs, and four Ks. The save to Ryan Presley is third on the year. Uh, so far this year, he's pitched 11 innings, only allowing one earned run. That's good for a 0.82 ERA. It will be Justin Dunn versus Zach Greinke today. The Mariners have now lost three games in a row since uh, becoming the top of the AL West. And when LJ said, LJ said something about the Mariners, we were talking about them the other day. Is this almost as bad? No, it's not as bad of, as, as my jinx of the A's. But to be fair, I think you asked if you thought that the Mariners were legit or something yeah, I, along those lines. I asked if you thought they were a more legitimate team than we thought they were. I think the fact that you can't bring up the actual specific grievance shows that you're stretching to try to prove that you are not the jinx of the show, especially seeing you had the other one yesterday too. You, you had the uh, win streak ending and then you had, um, I brought it up on the show. I, I brought it up on the show already. So it doesn't count. Okay. Because I've already aired that grievance. Oh shoot. What was it? It's going to bother me now. We're going to have to go back and listen. We're going to have to go go back, definitely go back and listen to see what we're talking about here. Because if you haven't listened to it, first off, absolutely great content, but also Brandon jinxed something. Oh, right. He was talking about how the Yankees were back and their offense was going. And then they got three hit by Matt Harvey. Yeah. And then we came back tonight. You know, we yeah, had three hit by Matt Harvey. The Dark Knight rises once again. Yes, if only he'd stop falling. All right, Padres D-backs. Disaster struck for San Diego when Trent Grisham dropped a relatively routine fly ball in center field, which allowed two runners to score. The Padres were unable to bounce back from that massive blow, especially after a two-run dinger by Carson Kelly in the sixth. The Padres fall to Arizona 5-1. to one. Give the win to Merrill Kelly. He's now two and two on the year. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts. The loss will be given to Chris Paddock, who went five and a third of an inning, allowing three earned runs and five strikeouts. San Diego will attempt to bounce back with Ryan Weathers facing Taylor Widener. Tigers and White Sox. Miguel Cabrera will hit his first home run since opening day. Uh, in the first inning, down two to one in the top of the seventh. Wilson Ramos of the Tigers would hit a double to tie the game. And then Nico Goodrum would hit a homer to take a 4-2 lead. The Tigers add on one more from a Jonathan Scope home run, and they win 5-2. The win to Jose Arena, seven innings, seven hits, one earned. The loss to Lucas Giolito, who's now one and two. Six and two-thirds, five hits, four runs, and seven Ks. Gregory Soto gets his third save for the Tigers, and it will be Casey Mize going for them today, taking on Carlos Rodon, just uh, now a few starts removed from a no-hitter. Well, okay. 
Next up, we have the Rockies and the Giants. The standard nine. The standard nine ended 4-4 with some help from long balls by Brandon Belt and Brandon Carl Crawford for San Fran, as well as Garrett Hampson for Colorado. In the 10th, Ryan McMahon hit a 449-foot two-run piece, and C.J. Crone added a solo shot for Colorado. The Giants couldn't match this production and fell to the Rockies 7-5. Give the win to Daniel Bard, another win for my fantasy team where you get more wins from the relievers than you do saves. I'm not frustrated, just disappointed. Are you getting more wins from your closers than you are your starters? Like, I feel like some weeks it's got to be pretty close. It's got to be really close. I, don't, I, I also might be exaggerating that I have more wins, but it's, it's too many for my comfort zone, especially compared to how slow we started with wins. Yeah, Josh Hader has two wins to four saves. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Uh, or five saves now. Bard. Bard has... All right, Bard has one win to two saves, and Cesar Valdez has two wins to five saves. That's still like a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins for, for closers. Yeah. Um, the loss will be given to Gregory Santos and the save to Carlos Estevez, his first of the year. Chiche Gonzalez went five innings, allowing three earned runs. Aaron Sanchez went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs and six strikeouts. Brandon, this is not an ideal time for San Fran to be losing. I mean, I don't want to overreact to random wins in late April. However, this is a very nice and very convenient time to carve yourself a spot as both the best record in baseball as well as, well as gaining a lead on the Padres and Dodgers when I don't know that I haven't looked at the Giants' schedule, but I know they play two series against the Dodgers next month. You need all of the room you can get there. So, being able, having to unfortunately lose a game on the same night that both of them lose is not the ideal way for them to be looking right now. No, uh, it's not. But, you know, Colorado, for as much as we, uh, 
you know, were giving them crap the last, uh, let's see, a yesterday and then prior to the season, they've like, like the low-key not been the worst team in the league. I mean, their uh, run and differential is only minus four. Compare that to other teams. The New York Mets are minus 12. The Braves are minus six. The Washington Nationals are minus 28. Uh, let's see here. Oakland is minus two. I mean, they beat a lot of these teams here. Uh, so, I don't know. Look, Colorado also one and seven on the road and eight and seven at home. I mean, they, they historically have played well in cores too. So, it's certainly not, not the best game for the Giants tonight. Uh, but, you know, Colorado is not just – at least so far in the year, they haven't been this this punching bag that is a almost guaranteed win. You know, they've been pretty competitive in their games, I'd say. They haven't really got blown out. And, you know, they – they uh well, except for last night. Uh, but that was – I think that they just wanted to lose like that one more time just to show Jeff Jeff Brittich uh, what he constructed. Yeah, honestly, that's another thing that's been pretty nice is – with the exception of the bottom of the AL Central, there really hasn't been a punching bag, many punching bags in April. Like, of course, a lot of teams will turn into that by mid-summer, but there hasn't been an atrocious bottom of the standings from the majority of teams. But I'm going to go ahead and put the Tigers and the Twins on blast right now because these past couple weeks have been atrocious for both. Uh, I just realized I completely spoiled the next game earlier when we have to go over the Dodgers and the Reds still. After firing off the game-winning home run last night, he followed that up with a first, or I'm sorry, Jesse Winker followed that up with a first pitch leadoff dinger off of Walker Bueller. He then went back to the dugout where he, he could be heard uttering they're human to his, to his uh, teammates. Is that the best way to rally the team to start a game you've heard in a while? That's pretty good. Uh, I like that. I mean, that's just that that's ever that's everything you want to see. I mean, the guy's literally his last his last two two pitches both went out of the park, and then he's talking about how you can beat him. That's absolutely what you want to see. Uh, this game would find the big red contraption down five three in the seventh, where they fired off three runs. They held on to win the game six to five. The Dodgers have lost three straight games for the first time since August 2019. Give the win to Ryan Hendricks, the loss to Scott Alexander, and the save to Sean Doolittle, his first of the year. Game three of this series will see Sonny Gray face Clayton Kershaw. Brandon, you gave me that stat. I can't believe they've not lost three games. Yeah, when I saw that, I was mind blown. The fact that Think I want you guys to think about that. Like, obviously, not a full season in 2020, but from August 2019 through the 2020 season, so through the end of 2019, through those playoffs, then through the 60 game season in 2020 plus the 2020 playoffs, and then through these first few weeks in 2021, they still haven't lost three games in a row. Like, if that just doesn't show how good that this that this Dodgers team has been for a long time, then I don't know what else to look at because three games is not a lot for a team to lose in a row no, uh, not at, all. At, at, at any point in the year. Like you could easily drop three 
at any point in the year and just like not even notice it. It just happens. So wait, so now now to go a little deeper into that, there's a darn good chance because like just the odds of it with the infrequency of the two game series. Have they not been swept in a series in at least more than that time? We can, I can look right now. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go look? Because I have another thing I have to actually question. It's just a funny thing happened at Dodger Stadium tonight that I still do not understand the explanation to, Brandon. I'm hoping there's a normal one that I just didn't know that you can give me here. But I believe it was the somewhere around like the sixth to eighth inning. It was Chris. Taylor at the I don't remember the details are foggy. It was like it was a righty at the at the plate. He rips a ball down the left field line, and for some reason there were two men in black, all black jackets and black clothing, on the field during the middle of like the game. During the middle of the game, the first one I have to give props to. The first one was sitting in a black metal chair just about at the foul line in on the grass. And then, of course, as he sees the ball coming his way, he somehow picks up the chair, folds it, and does this diving roll over the wall into the stands. Meanwhile, the other guy's way back towards the wall in left field with some form of, like, camera or something. So I'm not sure what they were having recorded in the middle of a game like that. But he also had to get out of the way, but he was kind of pinned by where the left left fielder was having to make that play. It was just, it was bizarre. So, LJ, I was able to find uh, this stat. So, tomorrow is uh, is is game three of that Reds uh, Dodger series, the last game of the series. Yes. Should the Reds win, it will be the first time that the LA Dodgers have been swept since. The St. Louis Cardinals did it to them uh, in a four-game series, April 8th through April 11th, 2019. So since the start of 2019, that was a four-game series. Like, we're not even looking at three-game series, Like I'm, which I'm sure is a bit longer. But and they didn't get swept at any other point during the 2019 season. Or obviously they didn't, but, like, they they lost three out of four to the Padres over the July 4th weekend, but they were able to win the first game. Like any time where they were down two games in the series, they ended up winning the last one. That's amazing. So, yeah, uh, really impressive. All right, uh, PPP time? Yes, PPP time. Particular players people should care about. All right, I'm going to start – uh, it off with the guy who's in the title of this episode, and that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Vladdy has been tearing the cover off the ball this year. Me and LJ talked about him at the top, of course. But, I mean, is this guy really becoming what we thought he could? Loses 40 pounds this offseason. You know, the it, what, what happened was his his coaches basically told him, like, you're kind of fat. Like you like we we understand you can hit the ball 120 miles an hour, but like it wouldn't hurt you to lose a few pounds. And 
He did exactly that. Comes out this year. I'm going to start off with just a few stats here on StatCast. Or actually, I'll start off with like his playing stats. So he's slashing 360, 484, 693 slugging percentage, which is good for a 1.177 OPS. Uh, top 4% of the league in walk percentage. So not only are they not throwing him a lot of pitches to hit, but when they do throw him those pitches, he, he's crushing it. Uh, in terms of average exit velocity, 92nd percentile. Expected batting average, 92nd percentile. Here's the one that I love, LJ, these two. Strikeout percentage, 88th percentile. Chase rate, 88th percentile. So even on the pitches that, like, even though he is such a power hitter and is swinging for the fences, he's not even striking out that much. I mean, this guy is could turn into what we see could be like the next a generation of hitters where there's power hitters that just don't really strike out a lot and they walk quite a bit. I mean, he could revolutionize the power hitting spots in the order if he's able to go for however long without striking out as much as he has been. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm absolutely in love with this guy. The fact that he's so young and is playing so good this year is just awesome to see because there's so much more uh, left in the tank for him that we're just at the tip of the iceberg, I think. Brandon, we haven't seen this. No. I mean, I mean, really, when you think about it, with the exception of, of that, guys, especially the guys that are being put in the position where you say, again, the power hitter role, guys. Not a, not, we're not looking at leadoff or two guys. We're not looking at a Barry Bonds who's, who's going to reasonably hit or should re- nowadays reasonably hit second every single game of his career, that if he can continue on this path, I think until we see somebody else do it, you got to treat this as not the revolutionizing of the position, but as a unicorn. Yeah. This is, those those numbers are absolutely sick right now. I really hope he keeps them up and, I hope Toronto is able to find some form of success with him because that'll make having that kind of talent all the sweeter for people, for people to enjoy. Yeah. Not only has he got his strikeouts uh, somewhat figured out, or at least the very figured out this year, but he's hitting uh, ground balls at a 10% less clip than he was in 2020. He was around 54% ground ball rate in 2020 he's put that down to 44 percent and basically put the other percents there on um line drives so he's turning ground balls into line drives and he sprays it all over the field you can't really shift against him because a lot of his balls go up the middle and then he can also pull and has enough power to hit opposite field so yeah this guy is just ridiculous i think unicorn is a good use uh, a good word to use for him because we just have not seen someone like this uh do this and he's striking out at a 14.6 percent clip right now for for a reference barry bonds between 1999 and 2004 struck out at about 
a 12% clip. So he's just about 2% higher than the uh, the greatest offensive showcase that we've seen in a six-year span. So, yeah, a Vladdy Jr., uh, I'm scared for what we're going to see over the next 10 years. All right, next up we got Jesus Aguilar, four home runs in five games. Brandon, I'm not expecting to see what we saw for a couple seasons in Milwaukee out of Jesus Aguilar. However, this seems to be a pretty reasonable thing to expect from him, where he's going to be a power hitter. He's going to be a solid presence at first base, and he's going to be able to absolutely hit the ball, smack the ball around in short spurts throughout the season. That's a, that's a valuable type of guy that can make make his name in a league for a lot longer than he can if he doesn't if he isn't that streaky. Yeah, uh, look, he's coming off a 2020 season where he had a 118 OPS plus, so 18 percent better than the league average hitter, and he only hit eight home runs in in a 51 games. LJ, what's he have now? Five or six this year? He has four home runs this year. Okay, four still. Four five days. Four, yeah, four and five days, and he's only played like 22 or 23 games this year, if that. So he's hitting home runs at a higher clip. Uh, his his uh, walk numbers are getting there. He walked 23 times in 2020. He's already walked, uh, at least as, as baseball reference shows, 11. So at least 11. Uh, yeah, you're, I, I think that the, the Marlins is like the perfect spot for him. He can hit and like stick him right in the the middle of that lineup. They have enough young, fun guys on that team, like Jazz Chisholm. Uh, I like guys like John John Birdie. You know, they just have guys that that can hit and and kind of get on base. And this is the perfect guy to just stick right there in the four spot and just let him rake. Let him let him do whatever ha- whatever happens happens, and most of the time it's going to be good. Next up, we've got Ronald Acuna, not Acuna, Acuna, absolutely showing up today. I mean, certainly second best player or position player in baseball right now. The more I've thought about it as I go through this, I may want to go back on the MVP thing. However, I think a claim is pretty close for both of them, but I would put it right now. As far as position players go, it's Trout, it's Trout, and then it's Acuna's right there, and then there's not really anyone else that I think is on that same level at this very moment in time. No, yeah, uh, there's guys who are close. You could say Juan Soto. His his stat cast numbers have been crazy this year, but he doesn't have the traditional Health. counting stats like Trout or Acuna does this year. And uh, yeah. He also, and again, I know these are completely, these have been relatively fluky things. It's not like they've been one connected to another. Has not been able to start seasons <laughs> over these past couple of years, which is where so many of these impressions get formed. I mean, if Acuna kind of leveled off a little bit, he's still going to be in that MVP conversation for a lot longer than somebody that's trying to pull themselves into it in June. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, realistically, I think that's hurt. That hurts people's outlook, and should hurt people's outlook on Soto a lot. The fact that he just has been 
these untimely injuries at the beginning of seasons, be it COVID or I believe it's shoulder now. Am I wrong? Yeah, he oh, should be something. back soon, though. I think it was just uh, like he's been on the IL for uh, it has to be close to a week now, if not. So I miss yeah. he should be back soon. But um, my, my responsibility to figure out where we were. But yeah, Ronald Acuna is very good at baseball. He will be very good at baseball for a while. Juan Soto is too injured to be the second best player in baseball right now. Mookie Betts has been a really good baseball player, but he hasn't been Acuna by any means. Oh, yeah, we were talking about Juan Soto, uh, yeah. how, yeah, uh, they're all very good players. Uh, once you get to those top parts of the, of like the elite, elite players, it becomes almost too hard to rank them because then, you know, you, you have to throw like guys like Jacob DeGrom in there. Like if you're talking about all players, like how does Jacob DeGrom fit in between Betts, Soto, Trout, Acuna? Like where do you even put them? So it gets too hard when you're ranking the players like that. Uh, they're all great. I would say that Acuna is number two, like right now, right now, but uh, it can change quite a bit throughout the year, obviously. But uh, yeah, Acuna two uh, is fair. Uh, LJ, you got one more? I got one more. Just Jesse Winker. Very impressive past two days. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Absolutely what you want to see from a leadership standpoint coming into today, really rallying the troops and being able to get that win, having the Dodgers drop that third game in a row. Fantastic day for him. That's about all I have to say. All right, let's get on to the leaderboards Uh, for war for hitters. It is Mike Trout in the lead with 1.9. Ronald Acuna Jr. in second with 1.8 and Vladdy Jr. in third with 1.7. This trio has been at the top for about a week now. Uh, expect these three to be pretty much the front runners uh, as, as for now. For pitchers, uh, it is also pretty much the same trio. We have Garrett Cole in first with 1.9, Jacob DeGrom in second with 1.8, Corbin Burns in third with 1.7. War for the relief pitchers. James Karinchak now takes the lead with 0.7. Mark Melanson and Matt Barnes are tied for second with 0.6. Home runs. After tonight, we have a three-way tie with eight. That is between Ronald Acuna Jr., of course, that 481-foot bomb earlier. Reese Hoskins and uh, Ryan McMahon, that home run he hit late in that Rockies game. Uh Got him to eight, so there's your three-way tie. Batting average, your mean Mercedes is hitting 432. Mike Trout hitting 431. No other qualified player hitting over 400. These two are raking this year. Stolen bases, we have a two-way tie now with eight. If you remember, when I first brought up stolen bases, I believe Ramon Laureano had stolen eight bases in like 13 games. Well, he still has eight bases, eight stolen bases now. There's a, a break. 
Yeah, no, he had to take a little bit of break. He 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 had to catch his breath. Uh, but there's a two-way tie. Ramon Laureano and Whit Merrifield, each with eight stolen bases. Uh, that's it for the leaderboards. And now we have two uh, just little fun topics that we're going to talk about pretty pretty briefly uh, here at the end. Uh, LJ has one and I um, have one. But, uh, I have LJ, actually something to add first. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And then Steam rolls me out of the leaderboards. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Um, first off, I'm not sure what I find more enthusing about the war leaderboards right now. The fact that the top three in both hitting and pitching are currently at 1.9, 1.8, and 1.7 altogether. I don't know why that just aesthetically pleases me. Or the fact of the argument we've been having all day between Acuna and DeGrom is literally a dead tie for a war right now. I find that absolutely amazing. It's hilarious. I don't know how how Garrett Cole has the most war for pitchers. Yeah, Jacob Degrom, but it's such a weird calculation that it's it's. it's let, let them do it. Yeah, too complicated for me. Also, I would love to see it if this is like the storyline for the year for stolen bases. It's like the tortoise and the hare, where Raymond Laureano will just go and grab ten bags every like three weeks and then do nothing like for 10 bags in a week and then do nothing for two weeks. Meanwhile, with Merrifield is just slowly chugging along and eventually surpasses him for the end of the year. I yeah. We got see someone like over 30 stolen bases. That would be cool. Cause we don't really see guys like steal bases at this clip as much anymore. No, it's, it really stinks because that's a lot of fun in my opinion. And there's no good reason. It's not a part of the game more other than the fact that people are like, okay, let's, save all of these runners let's hoard all of these runners on base for when we get our home run to come but no i don't know i just think the entertainment of the value of the game has decreased since the stolen bases have decreased but our first subject of tonight is a very disappointing out of a disappointing article from the los angeles times written by bill shaken the for those of you who know it pretty well, the Farmer John Dodger dog is no more. Brandon, for the Farmer John company who has had the official exclusive hot dog hot dogging rights to the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Dodger dog for generations has decided no longer to partner with them. The Dodgers, of course, are still keeping the Dodger dog but just without the Farmer John name attached to it. Brandon, what are your initial thoughts? It's a sad day for Dodger fans. I feel like the the Dodger dog is so synonymous with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, certainly not a Dodgers fan. I certainly don't know a lot about the, the Dodgers fan culture, but over the years I've heard quite a bit about the, the Dodger dogs, uh, seems like the staple of, of Dodger stadium, you know, here in Syracuse where I'm at college at the carrier dome, or it's not even called the carrier dome anymore, whatever they're calling it. The uh, stadium, Actually, I think it is the stadium. You know, I get to go in there twice a week to COVID test. Uh, but um, there's the dome dogs, which like everyone knows what a dome dog is. And like, I feel like everyone knew what a, a Dodger dog was. That's it. it Going to a baseball game 
and 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 getting a hot dog is like one of the most to me at least one of the most american things to do you're watching america's pastime you're eating i mean I, I don't know if hot dogs american food or not yes it is yeah, sure yeah we'll call it uh american but it's just i don't know it's it's sad i, I don't i don't really know how else to react to it like it that sucks for the dodger fans I'm sure that there has to be some sort of substitute, though. There's no way they aren't selling hot dogs, right? Like, there's no way they just took the hot dog completely off of their concessions menu. No, no, they, they didn't. They they kept the Dodger dog. It's just no longer the Farmer John Dodger dog. So it's not the same. So it's like so it's like New Coke. Like, do you remember yeah. it? Like how there was old Coke and new Coke? Yeah. So it's just old old Dodger dogs and new Dodger dogs. Yeah. It. It, it's a, it's just it's a different dog, which really just completely changes the thing. Also, I guess I I have no clue what's according to what's cooking Americans consume on average sixty hot dogs a year. I do not eat sixty hot dogs in a year. That is insane. That's an insane amount. Yeah, but I bet you there's a lot of people that are uh, do a lot more things with family on the weekends in the summer go to a lot more different like tailgates and stuff and they'll have two hot dogs. Like if you're going to a college football tailgate, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's like at minimum, all right, that's seven weeks at home, but then all the ones you do at your house, you're talking 13 weeks, probably two hot dogs a week. That's 26 hot dogs. That's just over a three month span. Yeah, but if you're putting down 60 hot dogs a year, Jesus, I can't believe this is what we're talking about at 3.17 in the morning. If if you're putting down 60 hot dogs a year, that is more than one per week. So take the off-season, LJ. All right, you got your 26 from your college football, sure. So now you have to get basically 34 more in – about of what is that like a 20 what is 13 weeks like a 40 something 37 week span you have to get 34 more so that's like still one per week from then on like yeah but brandon first off do you eat a hot dog once a week i mean right now yes at least and that's i I can't i'm i'm not rocking with the 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 hot dogs from the dining hall here so i can't Brandon, I about a week, maybe a week and a half ago, just finally hit my boiling point with the regu- the non like consistent foods, like the foods that they switch out in the dining hall, have just been so consistently not good that I finally just reached my breaking point a, a two and a half weeks before I go home, and so I just, I mean, it's really one of the few things that I can bring myself to eat half the time right now. But I mean, again, I, I'll have a better perspective in the fall once I haven't eaten it for months on end. But I've been eating more often recently. But the other thing you have to think about is the fact that you just you might be a below average hot dog consumer. That Fair, doesn't mean yeah. there's not above average hot dog consumers. Like I was being conservative with the two. Like if I was at a cookout for a um tailgate i'd probably have two that would be my meal and that would be it i'm sure there is people that have way more than two there also we have no clue i was about to bring that up we have no clue if that includes people like joey chestnut who are eating them by the hundreds in a matter of 15 minutes so 
70 in 10 minutes. 70 in 10 minutes. Yeah. So it's like, that's going to, that's going to spike the average quite a bit if those are counted, but this isn't even what we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> Dodger dogs. Yeah. Dodger dogs. Back back Dodger dogs. Um, no, just my overall closing thoughts on this is it's not the same Dodger dog. If it's not the same company, farmer John's is a local company from the area. So I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to market themselves better without being the face of Dodger dogs. Like the money that you would have spent on that, how are you going to reinvest it so you're better than being the face of the Los Angeles Dodgers best food, the best team in California's best food? How can you replace that type of marketing? The other thing I think is a darn shame is it kind of just chips away at the uh, freshly coated paint of the legacy of Vin Scully. I mean, this is a guy who went for years doing advertisements for the Farmer John Dodger dog. And now it's no longer the Farmer John Dodger dog. So many people grew up hearing on the radio, hearing on all sorts of places, his advertising for the Dodger dogs, for Farmer John. People grew up on that. That's why they know Farmer John. That's part of the reason why they've fallen in love with um, Vin Scully. Another reason, another reason people eat more than 60 hot dogs in a year. There's so many picky eating kids. So if you're a picky eater as a kid and your parents are pretty much only uh, feeding you hot dogs, not only is that going to increase the average for the population, but you're going to start to know the hot dogs you're going to start to know the Farmer John Dodger dog. You're going to start to associate it with Vince Scully. That's going to be one of your first positive memories of being a Dodgers fan. So that's all about all I had to say on it. But Brandon, you can take away this next part. Sure. Uh, this next one, uh, I'll make it pretty quick, but I just found it funny. So I'm not sure how many nights ago it was. I We do so much recording. I mean, we record every day. So it's just like everything blends in. But we were talking about uh, how Jerry Jones is, you know, in, in LJ and I's world, the owner, GM, uh, coach, quarterback, everything. And I was just on Twitter uh, I today and I was reading and I saw something about Ted Turner. So the guy who owns, you know, Turner Media and the huge media conglomerate that it is. He, when he owned the Atlanta Braves in the 70s, he one time hired himself as the manager. Now, hear me out. This is a billion dollar man. I don't know if he had a, a billion then, but he was rich enough to own an MLB team. And basically what happened was the Ray or the, the, the Braves, um, they had lost 16 games in a row in 1977 and they lost, they got swept by the pirates uh, in Pittsburgh, May 10th. They dropped uh, to eight and 21. I'm getting all this information from an ESPN article titled the night Ted Turner uh, managed the Braves. And so after that double header, uh, Ted Turner told the manager of the team at the time, which was Dave Bristol, to take 10 days off. And Ted Turner wanted to see what was going wrong with the team. Why is my team losing? So he said, 
I'm just going to make the manager take a 10 day break and I'm going to be the manager. I want to see what's going on. So the next day at the ballpark, Ted Turner shows up and on the scoreboard, the Pirates put the Pirates welcome the Atlanta Braves owner, president, general manager, and now new field manager, Ted Turner, number 27. And that night at three, three River Stadium in Pittsburgh, Ted Turner managed the Braves. Uh, <laughs> insane to just think that this team owner is able to go in the dugout, make choices on what's going on. Uh, so what ended up happening was the third base coach for the Braves, Vern Benson, and then their 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 bullpen po- coach, Chris Canizaro, uh, they both spent a lot of time in the, the dugout that night, essentially managing the team. While Ted Turner had final say on everything, he really, you know, he, he didn't know what was was going on. So when you have those two guys there, they can help you out. And uh, I mean, LJ, just crazy to think that back in the 70s, so now close to 50 years ago, I mean, this this kind of stuff was was uh, going on. Could you imagine what kind of outrage there would be if an owner today tried to manage a team? I mean, this was only a one-off thing. It, 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 they they only let him manage for one game, and then they, they realized uh, – what happened or like, you know, what was going on? They said, no, like you can't own and also manage the team. Um, frankly, I think it's hilarious. It's, it's great. Isn't it? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I could care less, but, uh, John Henry into the dugout. <laughs> oh, cause John Henry would care that much about the Red Sox. Um, but no, I just find it absolutely hilarious. It's like some form of, screwed up undercover boss he had a good intention there though i mean there's no better way to figure out what you need to change than going in and seeing how the how the gears move itself so great on that but as for the jerry jones conversation that was yesterday because we were talking about um the the rockies owner and his involvement with the team and how he was, I don't even remember, but it was definitely last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, one one thing I wanted to mention here. Uh, so they end up losing that game. That was their 17th. That's what, that what I wanted to ask. Yeah, that was their, their 17th loss in a row. And then the next night, uh, manager... Uh, Dave Dave Bristol would take back over. So it was a one-night hiatus. He thought it was going to be 10. Just turns out to be a one-night thing. And LJ, the Braves, the day that Dave Bristol takes back over, the next night, end their 17-game losing streak. So as soon as Ted Turner goes in there and actually sees what's what's going wrong, he brings the actual manager back in and they win. Uh, they end up not winning a lot that year. They went 61 and 100. Uh, not ideal, but very interesting. Uh, gotta love it that there's just stuff like this that happens in the MLB. Uh, it's awesome. But uh, I think that that is going to do it 
for this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Uh, this was episode 60. Hard to believe we're already here. Thank you all for listening and supporting every single day. The only baseball podcast coming to you guys seven days a week. Uh, that we know one, of. What's that? That we know of. Yeah, that, that we know of. I mean, I would love to see another podcast that, that uh, pr- produces content every day like us. But um, yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Of course, follow uh, Belly Up Sports on Twitter for great content every single day. They're at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. Make sure that you are following uh, me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Karam and LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora. That is going to do it. Uh, we will all see you tomorrow uh, and go enjoy your Wednesday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.